Welcome to Normal for Norway. I'm Indigo. And I'm Seamus. This is the podcast where each episode we dissect one weird thing about Norway. So sit back, relax, and drive three hours to the middle of Norway. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh. Lovely. We're having to stay hydrated. Oslo has hit 24 degrees, so we are having a gin martini. Mm with three olives. Delicious, courtesy of our bartender slash in-house philosopher, Sigurd. Yeah, but in fairness, he did not help to collect a bed earlier, so that was his, his dues. Yeah. Right, cabins. Hitta. Yes. Hittit. <laughs> Hittna. We're working on our grammar this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to talk about Norwegian cabins. Um, hit the, in fact, I was reading in the like Norwegian Wikipedia for cabins. It says, many words don't have a proper word to describe a hytta. Many languages. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, many languages. And yeah. it's like, uh, you know, there are like, in English you have cabin or or cottage, but it's not really the same thing, right? Because yeah. a cabin could just be any kind of like building anywhere. Whereas I feel a hutta, which is what we're talking about this week, is a very specific thing. Definitely. I think a good way to like interrogate this would be to ask, can you have a hutta that's not in Norway? And I feel like mm, maybe in Sweden. Yeah, and Finland. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's very... Like, I don't even think that a Norwegian in the U.S. would be like, oh, my hitta. Like, if they lived in the U.S. and had a cabin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing in Ireland is you have holiday homes. Right. But they're not really the same thing. Or, like, maybe they are. And we're going to get onto this later yeah. about, like, the realities of modern cabin life in Norway. And the the ideas around it or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, they say, basically... The Russians have like dachas. The yeah, the Swedes have a stuga or something, and the Finns have one that like obviously is some word that's like impossible to remember. But yeah, many cultures have them. But I think yeah, hitta is its is its own thing, kind of. Okay. Well, what is it? What even is it? Um, I think it's it is very hard to define. I would say. A hitta is a house that you don't primarily live in. Yeah. It's a house that you have to visit. It can't mm-hmm. be it can't be somewhere that like somebody lives year round or most of the year. Yeah. Um it needs to be at least somewhat remote or it needs to be far not far but it needs to be f- like different from where you live. Yes. So it can't it could be kind of in like maybe a hitta neighborhood of like a gathering of little hittas. Yeah. But it can't be like oh it's 10 minutes from my house. Like, that's, that's not really... Yeah, and this is the thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically a holiday home, right? But right. it's like a holiday home that's essentially a log cabin. <laughs> Are all hit the log cabin? Well, but that's the thing. And you, now you're kind of getting into the topic of architecture. It's like funny the different levels of hitta because I kind of when I was first introduced the idea it was like oh it's really rustic and there's often not running water sometimes Mm. there's only like an outhouse um there might not even be electricity um there might not be like a refrigerator there might be a cellar instead yeah and I've been to cabins like that Uh I've been to kind of the lowest like level but then I've also been to like insanely gorgeous 
fancy, really nice cabins that are way nicer than that person's house even. Yes. Right. So I don't think that kind of the, the actual amenities can even be used to define it. No. I, and I think maybe it's more of like a philosophical or like a social concept. Than it's a state of mind. It is a state of mind. And actually someone wrote their PhD on the history of cabins in Norwegian literature from 1814 to 2005. And she describes a, like a Norwegian cabin or a hytta as a heterotopia, which isn't what it sounds like. Yeah, I <laughs> felt really dumb earlier when I looked this up because I thought I would know what that was. <laughs> it's like a place where, yeah, straight people go to, I don't know, wear baggy jeans and... Uh... Well, I thought it was going to be like, oh, where the nuclear family is like, I don't know, most at home. And I was like, that makes so much sense. But that was not what that No, meant. no, no. So basically, a heterotopia, it's a concept elaborated by philosopher... I'm going to embarrass myself now. Michel Foucault. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Foucault. Foucault. <laughs> Fouc all of us. <laughs> yeah. To describe certain cultural, institutional, and discursive spaces that are somehow other, mm. disturbing, intense, incompatible, contradictory, or transforming. Mm. Um, so this would be things like ships, cemeteries, bars, brothels, prisons, so on and so on. And oh maybe God, all our favorite places. Yeah, but also maybe cabins because it's like it's yeah. the whole idea is right that your cabin is like separate from your everyday life. Mm. And that you go there and you do specific things there that you don't normally do and that you dress a certain way and that you eat a certain thing and it's kind of separate. It's a separate world, I suppose, is the idea of like what is a heterotopia. Um, yes. And I also, in that same article that you were just referencing um, about the, the woman's um, PhD, she also said that it's like, actually a meeting place between nature and civilization. So this is um, Ellen Reese who wrote this uh, research project, Cabin Fever, Place and Identity in Norwegian Literature. And um, yeah, she kind of says like, nature is really important in Norway and Norwegian culture, but actually the cabin is even more important than nature because it's kind of like this meeting place yeah. for the Norwegian I wonder, society. like, and it's actually interesting because I'm kind of trying to think, because it says here, you know, every culture has a place or a type of building that has like a specific meaning behind it that kind of like embodies them culturally. Pubs for you. Yeah. I think, I think a hutta is like the equivalent of an Irish pub. What do Americans have? I don't know. Ugh. Like Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Starbucks are like Dunkin' Donuts. Like chain Dunk. restaurants, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's actually regionally specific it's, it's quite like telling about the culture right yeah. because obviously the stereotypes of norwegians are that they're very introverted mm. that they like to be on their own and they're not very they're like they're a man of few words mm. whereas the irish are obviously very gregarious they love drinking and hanging out and, and so mm. it's sort of like fitting that like or when i think of okay what's the equivalent weird place or building that we in Ireland have that's kind of like interesting to talk about. It's maybe the Irish pub and the Norwegians have their hit. Mm. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, but to be kind of more specific about Hitta, like to give it more of a concrete definition, or maybe not a definition, but examples, I would say like a lot of people's first encounters with Hitta are, uh, foreigners of course, are with um, maybe their friends or like their friends' families, cabins. Mm. Um, and if you get invited to somebody's cabin, it's kind of a big deal because it is, like you're saying, a sort of personal space. Yeah. And I've been invited to people's cabins before and I felt like we really bonded, like we got to know each other so much better. Um, and it was always a really nice experience. So yeah, I think that if an Norwegian invites you to their cabin, you've reached a new level of Yeah, yeah. For yeah, sure. Totally. And I, I there was um I read a study about like what do people use their homes, their second homes for or whatever. Um, it's basically skiing, hiking, bird watching, and then picking mushrooms and berries, relaxing and sunbathing. <laughs> I think I'm in the second two categories. I like <laughs> relaxing and sunbathing at the cabin. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a place to like get away from the everyday and, you know, I mean, some people do work at their cabins, I suppose, but then it's like, once you stopped working, you're sort of. You're in amongst nature, you're up the mountain, you're in by the sea, and you're kind of chilling out. Well, this is something I think that's really funny about Norway in general, and Norwegians in general, is that they have this sort of, like, Protestant work ethic where they can't enjoy something unless they've worked for it. Yeah. So, you know, like, they always want to suffer before they actually enjoy something. And so, with their cabins, it's like, oh, we need to renovate. Like, they're (sighs) always, like, opposing renovation is their life. And like, that's actually family. so true. If they're like, listening to this, they're laughing. When I talk to my colleagues about their cabins, like it doesn't sound fun. Because no, obviously we go and visit cabins, so but they're just constantly repairing yeah. the roof, fixing yeah. the deck, like doing this, it. doing that. It's they like, love it. Yeah, yeah. And actually I got a taste of this last time we were at the um, cabin down south that Sigurd's family has because his dad was doing much renovations. Um, and like to his dad's credit, I think he actually does enjoy it. I don't think he's, I think he actually thinks it's fun. Yeah. So good on him. But he was having me like cut some logs in half with this crazy saw. And I was really enjoying myself. I was like, I love this. I'm out in the hot weather. I'm like sawing these logs in half with this scary yeah. saw. And then you and then you feel so good after because you're like laying on the deck or you go swimming and you lay on the deck and you're like, oh, I worked so hard. Today. I suppose as well, it's probably like a little bit of, it's like us urbanites get mm-hmm. to like live out a little fantasy of like living yeah. in so rural, yeah. in a rural area and like chopping wood and like <laughs> driving down a country road and yeah. like, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But maybe let's talk, like, what do, what do we do at cabins when we go? I feel like for me, it's a way to get back to nature. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we always have, what I love about it is, like, we never really, oh, we almost never really have screen time. Like, we watch, we don't really watch movies. No. We have done that very occasionally, but we play board games. Read each other's books aloud. Yeah, That's we've gotten into fun. reading books out loud, which I love. Um, yeah, we play a lot of board games. We... We play cards, we like catch up on the New Yorkers that we never finish reading. <laughs> Scream at each other over the board games. <laughs> Love screaming, it's so cathartic. <laughs> While um, everyone else that's with us looks on in horror. <laughs> Are they okay? That's, Wielding a knife in your face. Yeah, I mean that's very specific to us. I don't think that's a universal Norwegian tradition. <laughs> no, yeah, um, I suppose... Th- you know, this is have, the Shindigo yeah. podcast. People are here to hear about us, not the not the population at large. But I feel as well, it's like, 
when I think about going to a cabin, normally when you go on holidays, you're kind of trying to pack in activities. Right. You know, you're like, oh my God, I paid to come on this city break to Barcelona or like I'm, I don't know, I'm skiing in the Alps or something. Whereas it feels like when you go to a cabin, it's so much more relaxed. You're Mm kind of like, I, in general, I don't do anything. I mean, we always end up going for a hike or something, but I kind of wake up in the day thinking, I don't really want to do anything today. And I feel like I would feel guilty about that if I had Mm. gone on a... Because it's a domestic holiday. It's like a staycation, right? Which I feel is maybe not that common in other places, but it's super common in Norway because there are so many cabins. Mm -hmm. And then you feel less pressure to do something. So you just are sort of unplugging. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And most cabins don't have Wi-Fi. Like if your cabin has Wi-Fi, that's crazy. Um, Yeah, but they do have 4G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But I don't know. For me, it just feels like such a different sphere. And um, yeah, it's always... For me, it's always very relaxing. In the winter, we would go skiing. Um, we would, like, yeah, again, probably play board games, knit. A lot of knitting happens at yes. cabins. I don't know. It's knitting. Yeah. yeah. Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Truly. Yeah. But I think it's really hard to describe Hitta because there are so many different kinds. There's so many different ways to do it. And, yeah, like we're saying, there's so many different, like, kind of levels as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But maybe... So I have some facts and figures. Yeah. So obviously I'm the scientist here. Mm. The data analyst. Yeah. So I went on to the Norwegian Office of Central Statistics. I don't know what it's actually called. SSB or something. Yeah. Statistisk Centralbyrå, I think. Yes, I got it right. So I think the most striking number here is that in Norway, there are 440,443 cabins okay like that is crazy so there are five million people in norway which means that there's basically a cabin for every 10 people in the country that's insane as in i looked up the same number for ireland ireland has around the same population as norway we have sixty-two thousand cabins or like holiday homes right so one for every like 80 people so there are a shit ton of cabins (laughs) You can't and move without hitting No, cabin, literally. Basically. So there are actually, and this is another stat, there are 45 communer, which is like county or, or no, like municipalities in Norway that have more cabins than people live, like normal people's homes. Oh my God, completely. How yeah. many, how many um, communer are there in Norway total? Uh, I don't know. I should know this. But I, I mean, that makes so much sense because you drive to these kind of remote areas and then you're in this town and you can tell that literally everything in the town is for people with cabins. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. every town ta- every town that has a Vimunapura uh reference our previous episodes. <laughs> uh they've got, you know, a, a grocery store, they have like all these things that it's just like you can tell it's only tourists that are there. Yeah, yeah. So and another interesting fact here is that it, so the the municipality with the most amount of cabins per square kilometer is Valer, which is like basically if you said so the Oslo fjord is like a big long inlet of water and all along that fjord there's like it's quite like the most probably densely populated part of Norway right but then as you get really close to the Swedish border there's like these islands on the east side that are like actually a nature reserve but there there is 48 cabins per square kilometer. 
What? Yeah, yeah. So it's the highest oh in the country. Oh my god. And they're also like some of the most expensive in the whole country, I believe. So like I have some information as well on the price of cabins. So they have it done by county. So um the cheapest cabin you can get is in Trumps of Finnmark, which is like very far north. The average price of a cabin up there is one point like one million kroner. So like a hundred thousand euro. And then the most expensive is Vestfold of Telemark, where it's two point seven five million kroner. So like two hundred and fifty thousand euro. So Oh, okay, that's actually less than I expected. Yeah, so you're you're looking at between a hundred and three hundred thousand for your average cabin, mm. but then they have Okay, these are the most expensive cabin commu- like communities in Norway. The most expensive one, which is so that Valder place that has forty eight cabins per square meter on the other side of the fjord, on the west, they have the average cost of a cabin is eight and a half million kroner, so like eight hundred thousand euro. Whoa! For your second home, yeah. your holiday home. Jeez. You want to be stinking rich if you're there. And then Badum is next. Like, where the hell are the cabins in Badum? Bottom for anyone listening is like the equivalent of like Redmond. What's well, Redmond? <laughs> That's where Rebecca's office. Oh yeah, well it's like yeah, it's basically like a very ex- bougie expensive suburb of Oslo. Yeah. But apparently there's some cabins there. They might be actually in the islands off Fornebu. That's probably it. Well also I have been hiking like at the very edge of Bottom, and I think that I've seen cabins there. So. I would hate to have a cabin in Bottom. But that's because you lived in Bottom. No, but no, but like I just don't think you would get the heterotopia feeling. Yeah, I know. If your cabin true. is too near to you. And that's what I think, because there are loads of cabins in the Oslo Fjord. Yeah. And there I'm assuming I mean they're not it's actually interesting that Oslo isn't on here is like the most expensive cabin place, but maybe it's just there aren't any or something. I don't know. Or there are some out in those islands. Hmm. But would you get a feeling of getting away from the city when you're literally in the city and you can see the city from your cabin? Yeah, I don't even... I don't know if those are cabins, though. I wonder if it's actually where people live. Like No, weird those houses. are cabins. Oh, okay. Or I went on a boat tour and they tell me they were cabins. Oh, hmm. weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many How many communities were there, actually, did you... Search? Yeah, it was like 356. Oh, so, wow, like, more so than 10%... More. more than 10% of the, like, communities in Norway have more cabins than people or like cabins than actual people's houses like 12 percent or something right which is crazy um but it kind of makes sense and it sounds like oh my god there are so many cabins is norway just like completely covered in cabins (laughs) (laughs) we are in a cabin right now (laughs) my house is a cabin (laughs) yeah there are so many cabins but i was looking up a little bit about the geography of norway because i think the geography of norway is kind of very suited to this lifestyle or this way of having a like a cabin like out somewhere in the countryside because it has the second lowest population density in Europe mm-hmm. after do you know what country? I didn't know actually until I read Europe. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Iceland. That honestly surprised me. Like I, I didn't expect that Norway would have the second lowest because I think if you had made me guess I would yeah. have said Iceland maybe but then I think I would have said Finland. Yeah actually that's true. So I was just surprised, but I mean, I'm not because they have around the same population. But Norway is way bigger than Finland, and actually, probably they're counting Svalbard, maybe. And Svalbard's probably massive. 
you know yeah and but has like 50 people living there should we get a cabin on smaller <laughs> <laughs> oh my god actually oh god i was so one of the things i was reading about was like uh to go back to the statistics it was talking about like um and we're gonna go on to this a little bit more later but it was like who owns cabins and like what age are they and stuff and unsurprisingly everyone that owns cabins is old but the youngest owners of cabins are in Svalbard. So this literal article on SSB, like the yeah. statistic thing, was like, so definitely written by a boomer. It was like, so, you know, if don't be disheartened like millennials. You can own a cabin. All you need to do is buy a cabin in Svalbard. It was like, by the way, to anyone who's like, Svalbard is like an island in the North Pole, basically, that's owned by Norway. That's like inaccessible. By you literally, anything. if you leave this, town limits you have to carry a, a gun to shoot the polar bears <laughs> like it's yeah the law. so all the boomers are like bye see you in Svalbard I'll be in my cabin in wherever that Tell place where cabin is a million euro having a martini <laughs> yeah um but yeah sorry so very underpopulated country um and it's not even like, oh, that those are spread out. Like, the people basically all live around Oslo. Then they all live kind of, okay, you've got some people in Kristiansand, some people in Bergen, some people in Stavanger, like the main cities. But then basically the middle of the country is just, like, empty. There's no one there because it's just so mountainous. Yeah. As in, uh, Nor if you look at a relief map of Europe, it's kind of like Norway basically just looks like it's completely all a mountain. Yeah. And a lot of, the, a lot of that area is also, like, national parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was reading this thing and it was like, oh, here's a map of like the, I don't know, some wildlife association or kind of like very official international association around like biodiversity and stuff had drawn a map onto Norway of like, oh, this is like an alpine zone of special biodiversity interest or something. And it was pretty much like all of Norway, or like, you know, <laughs> except for like kind of the main cities. It was just like, the entire swathe of Norway is sort of like a special zone for forests and stuff. Um, but also interestingly, land use in Norway, I looked this up, which is amazing. So um, arable land is 3%. And then forest and woodland is 38%. Um, and then you have mountains is 46%. Bogs, 6%. Lakes and rivers, 5%, and urban areas, 1%. Whoa. So only 1% of Norway is basically built on. Yeah. So there is a lot of room for cabins. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe why everyone has one. They're like, I mean, come on. There's so much space up there in the mountains. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that makes so much sense, especially since like nature is so accessible here. That, that just makes so much sense. But that kind of um, brings me to a topic that I think we, we didn't uh, make that many notes about, but like the environmental impact of cabins. Yeah. Um, and I mean, okay, obviously if you're a person and you own like two homes or even three homes, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people own more than one cabin, then like that's not good for the environment. But what I think is also interesting about cabins in general is that they really took off, like in this article from this woman, Ellen Reese, it said they really took off like post-World War II yeah. when all these people were kind of building their own cabins. And it was, at that time, I feel like it was much more kind of rustic. And that's sort of the romantic idea of a cabin. Yeah. And it's so rustic and blah, blah, mm -hmm. And like your grandfather built it. And like, for some people, that's totally still the case. Yeah, yeah. Sigurd's grandfather did build the cabin that we were at just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And 
now it's been like renovated and doesn't have an outhouse anymore. But um, what's interesting now is that some areas where there were cabins or still are cabins are kind of more protected. And so Sigurd's mom has a cabin on Hardangavidla, which a lot of Hardangavidla is a national park. I don't think that where she has the cabin is a national park, but yeah, yeah. that area is still like somehow protected. I haven't done my research, so I don't know exactly how. But you can't build more cabins there now mm. because back then you could, and, and you can see other cabins there, but they're not that close. They're yeah. really not that close to each other and not all of them have running water. And um, yeah, you can't like add running water now because they're not going to do any more kind of like, uh, I don't know, renovation of the area. Well, they probably don't want to like dig up pipes. No, exactly. Stuff, like I don't think it's legal. Um, but there are all these places that are kind of hit the fence that are these really, really urbanized, built-up areas that are just for cabins, essentially. Yeah. And then it's like, a, like you're saying, you know, 48 cabins per square kilometer or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, well, that must be like a seaside area, I suppose, probably. Yeah, because it's on those islands. But actually, but kind so, of a sidebar. Yeah. But did you ever read that article about Hardanger Vida when all of the reindeer died? Yeah, you read that article before we went to Hardangavidla and you freaked me out. Yeah, so, for our <laughs> listeners, I was reading this article in The Guardian about how, basically, Hardangavidla is like a big, huge mountain plateau. So it kind of looks flat when you're there, but it's actually like 900 meters up or 1,000 meters. Yeah. And you can see so far. Actually, if people have seen Star Wars, Hoth, the ice planet, that was filmed on Hardangavidla. Wait, which, which Star Wars is that? Empire Strikes Back. Oh. The beginning of the movie when they're on the ice planet and then like Luke almost dies and he has to be shoved into the body of his like alpaca looking thing. <laughs> he was visiting his cabin. <laughs> things went wrong. <laughs> no, but they actually were on her document though. <laughs> that's cool. Anyway. But anyway. That's what it looks like. They basically, a load of reindeer got struck by lightning mm-hmm. and like 80 of them died and they were just lying there. Zeh. And then normally what they would do is they would remove those kinds of like dead, like animal carcasses. I think they're meant to remove them. But then these scientists were like, oh, let's actually uh, just leave them there and study the effects of a load of dead animals just lying in the environment. And they found like so many interesting things and like the different kind of like scavengers that came at different points in time. And, and apparently that like, had an impact on the local ecosystem because it was like attracting animals there that then were like feeding on other animals and there was it was it like in so many things with like ecosystems it like kicked off a whole chain of events and blah, blah, blah. Mm. but uh we didn't see any dead reindeer when we were up there i've only seen live reindeer thank god <laughs> we did see though a load of stars oh my god i've never seen that many stars before it was yeah. so beautiful because it's yeah. like so high up and if you think about it most observatories would be very high up because there's no like clouds or haze and completely far away from any light pollution so i've never seen anything like it <laughs> but sorry i have some facts and figures as well about the standard of hitte to back up your oh, claims love it so yes because <laughs> i have no facts or figures no so there is this idea that yeah oh the norwegian cabin life is very primitive you know we don't have running water and like electricity and so on lies lies well so this, that, those types of cabins account basically no running water, outdoor toilet, no electricity, 
sparse insulation, they account for the smallest proportion of carbon. So 29% of all carbons are that style of carbon. And then the largest category is for it's 40% is high standard. So they have electricity, water, flushing toilet, shower, hot tub, washing machine, and a dishwasher. Shower, hot tub? And a dishwasher. Oh my God. I mean, washing machine. Yeah. And then 31% are some, somewhere in the middle. Like they've got electricity, a flush toilet, shower, and full insulation. Maybe not like a mm-hmm. washing machine. And that's or another sonic. thing. Yeah. That's another thing with cabins. Oftentimes you have to bring your own bed clothes. Right. Mm, Even yeah. if there is a washing machine, sometimes you do that. I don't really know why that is, but I don't know. It's just a very Norwegian thing that like you will always bring your own sheets and duvet covers. Yeah, that's so true. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just inconvenient, or maybe it's just too much water. I don't know. Um, yeah, it could be. I feel like we should round off this part one. Yeah. Uh, but I was just gonna touch on like two other top or kind of one other topic which is Mm. you don't have to own or know someone who has a cabin because the system of the Norske Turistforening DNT is also really embedded in this idea of cabin life and so DNT is this organization that I think is now like 153 years old I want to say they celebrated the 150th anniversary a few years ago and um it's basically this really quite cheap organization that you get membership in and then you can visit like hundreds of cabins around Norway. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the membership costs, I don't know, it's like a hundred dollars or $200 for a year. It's probably less than $200. Mm. Um, and you get a cool skeleton key. And you get a key that opens most of the cabins. Actually, there's a few cabins that you need a special key and you have to like pay deposit and stuff. But uh, yeah, you get a key. You have a key. I have a key um, because we're both members. And then if you're a member, you pay like a, a very small, I think it's like 40 kroner, like $4 yeah. um, per night. And if you're below, sometimes it's higher. I think it's a bit higher during the pandemic, but normally it's quite cheap. And then if you're not a member, you can also stay there, but you have to pay more. But also, you know, I have a conspiracy theory. And no, that's I'll my be- conspiracy theory. Wait, what conspiracy theory? What's your conspiracy theory? Well, obviously on this podcast, we love conspiracy <laughs> And we love spreading them. No, my conspiracy, and if you claim this as your conspiracy, you have truly gone insane. So the head of DNT... No, this was our conspiracy. You came up with it together. I came up with it and I told it to you. <laughs> we just started start to hear like scuffling on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> really nice size of Oslo. <laughs> um, okay, no, yeah, yeah Ben Tuya. This is such a good conspiracy. Ben Tuya is the health minister of Norway, and he's married to another guy who's the head of DNT. And so, obviously, Ben Tuya is basically the one in charge of like all the lockdowns, making sure that we can't leave Norway, and so on. And who has that benefited? His DNT. hubby, of course, because everyone now is like joining dnt going to dnt because you can't go to anywhere else you have to holiday in norway it's uh like last summer it was like oh my god norway's so great everyone should be in norway for their vacation and i mean come on but also can we just talk about the other conspiracy theory that you told me this week that i'm obsessed with which one was that cola Oh, well, I mean, that's just, yeah, so... Well, explain what Thai and Cola is. Yeah, that's, like, a whole thing as well. But actually, I have another conspiracy theory related to the first one <laughs> before we get to Thai and Cola. I got conspiracy related to, like, rummaging through our notes. 
<laughs> Can't keep track of our own conspiracy. <laughs> okay, only two more, then we're done. Um, but so, side note though, to be fair to DNT, I think they genuinely lost a lot of money last year. So oh, feel, oh because I tourists really would normally come. Tourists would come, but also like I think that for a while the cabins were closed. Oh yeah, that's true. And so before it was like so open, and actually there's like this whole rule about how you can't turn someone away from a cabin. Yeah, yeah. Like even if you have a bed. Um, and you've booked like all the beds in the cabin, like you can't actually turn anyone away and blah, blah, And so I think a lot of people just like didn't renew their membership because they were kind of like, oh, well, like it's so strict oh, now or right. a lot of the cabins are still closed because whatever. Anyway. So, so your plan backfired, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> his husband is like, not like that. <laughs> yeah. But my other conspiracy theory that related to that, which we talked about was that, um, the, most popular weather app in Norway is oh yeah uh, is like always wrong and it's always really okay not always but it's often really wrong and we were in the park last summer and it was super sunny and warm and that yes. day it had said that the weather was supposed to be really bad and, and it even said on the app when we were in the park that the weather was like cold and rainy and, and it, it was, wasn't and the park was empty and the park was empty because clearly no one had actually like checked and so yeah. our other conspiracy was that the ear was it was like lying we need to, to actually look into who is the head of Eud mm -hmm. and start to find a connect the thing with Norway is it's so small that like I'm <laughs> no, sure the head of Eud is like going out with Arna Solberg or something and so we can like definitely stoke those flames oh my god but sorry last conspiracy theory yeah also love how none of these have anything to do with Calvin Tuyen Kula um okay so Tuyen is like a neighbourhood right next to us kind of trendy up and coming, traditionally like working class, gentrifying very fast. And they have a Coke, like their own label of Coke or whatever. Yeah. And I was saying to Sigurd, actually when we were driving back to a cabin at the weekend, oh, do you like Tayan Cola? Is like, do you think it's tasty? And he was like, yeah, it's okay. And then I was asking, is there like a diet version? Because obviously I would never touch a full fat soft drink. But you um, would touch a full fat beer. <laughs> Yeah, but like a beer is giving you so much more. Why not? If if there was a full fat beer and a skinny beer and you could just have the skinny beer and it would do exactly the same thing, why wouldn't you just have... Anyway, let's not get into that. There's going to be more slaps being thrown on the podcast. Um, but what? They've started printing COVID conspiracy theories on their label. Yeah. So I feel like actually I should look this up while we're talking, but basically Tengkura, yeah, the, the owners or whatever, they um, started printing things on their label that were basically saying that COVID was a hoax. Um, and they were kind of being like anti-vaccination and, oh my God, I can't even find the article. Um, literally just, you can just Google it and you'll find like a billion articles about it. But then all the, of course, all these businesses were like, oh, we cannot, we cannot sell this anymore. I wonder has it really impacted their sales? Cause every, oh, I didn't, I hadn't heard about it, but any Norwegian that I've mentioned this to since, has been like, oh yeah, no, I've heard about that. It's really bad. Blah, 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 blah. I'd yeah. say this this could because I'm like, how is this company surviving? Like, how many countries have a small independent right. yeah. cola that's like competing with Coke? You know? Yeah. Well, okay. So I just found the exact thing, which is so basically they were po they were printing the name of a website on the label, and then the website is like just full of all these conspiracy theories. So it wasn't really on the label. Oh. It was like COVID is a hoax, but the website. It was. Yeah. But the, the other thing that the the founder and I guess owner did that was really bad was he was actually going to the hospital and harassing the workers, oh, the hospital in Oslo, yeah. and harassing the workers and saying like, 
you need to prove to me that COVID is real and like got arrested or kind of was like basically removed from the hospital oh, grounds. Did he have to like, did he have at least the decency to bring along a few free Italian <laughs> colas and turn it into like a promotional event? I don't think so. Oh God. Because if I was a nurse and it was like in exchange for a cold Italian cola, maybe I'd be You'd like. You'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, And yeah, so he, but this was even, this was like last year. This was like April or March last year, like right. full on beginning of the pandemic. And he was just like, I don't believe it. And then was harassing all these poor health workers oh my God. and like patients and stuff. So, there you go, guys. Anyway, uh, that's part, we're doing two parts on this. So that's part one. Next time we're gonna talk about uh, getting to the cabin, because of course cabins are really far away. I actually have more stuff to talk about on the um, environmental impact of cabins, because I did actually read an article about that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, true. We have some scary and terrifying anecdotes from our own journeys to cabins we've got some reviews of food places on the way to cabins and you were then wanted to talk a little bit about class and yeah. ethnicity and cabins and who owns them so, yeah so tune in for the next episode bye bye